section forty seven of final report of the advisory committee on human radiation experiments this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. final report of the advisory committee on human radiation experiments case studies chapter nine part two washington c alvin paulson was a student of carl heller at the university of oregon in the late nineteen forties and in the early nineteen fifties he was a fellow in heller's lab but by nineteen sixty three he was ready to direct a substantial research program on his own his chance came when he was called to hanford to consult on an accidental radiation exposure of three workers the upshot of this experience was a five hundred and five thousand dollar grant from the atomic energy commission to study the effects of ionizing radiation on testicular function dr paulson remarked in the nineteen ninety four interview with advisory committee staff that the main research questions he was trying to answer were what would constitute a reasonably safe dose of ionizing radiation to the testes as well as what dose would cause some change in sperm production and secondly to determine the scenario of recovery he recalled a nineteen sixty two letter to the washington state department of institutions in which he wrote that he would like to find out the maximum dose of radiation that would not alter spermatogenesis and the maximum dose of radiation that affects spermatogenesis but only temporarily dr paulson said in a nineteen ninety five telephone interview however that for reasons he can no longer remember he limited dosage to four hundred rad not enough to test a maximum dose thesis in the nineteen ninety four interview dr paulson said when i recognized a tremendous void of information relative to human exposure and space travel had started and there was the question of solar explosions and ionizing radiation exposure in space the nuclear power plants were going in then a few men throughout the world were exposed i then contacted the atomic energy commission to determine whether they would entertain receiving an application obviously dr paulson too was interested in the space applications of his research in nineteen seventy two he and a colleague published their work titled effects of x-ray irradiation on human spermatogenesis in the proceedings of the national symposium on natural and man-made radiation a nasa sponsored symposium and dr paulson said that when he explained his research to potential subjects one of the things he referred to was concern about exposures in space an august first nineteen sixty three article in the oregonian about the washington experiment said although one of the primary benefits of the research will be in space exploration the findings are also expected to be of value to an atomic industry where an occupational hazard might exist one major difference between the heller and paulson projects was that from the outset dr paulson planned to eventually move from x-rays to neutron irradiation which among other things is more analogous than x-rays with the radiation encountered in space a neutron generator was purchased calibrated and shielding was developed however the work took years to complete and this part of the research was never carried out dr paulson has expressed the belief on a number of occasions that one reason his project was terminated by the state of washington in nineteen seventy was concern about the possibly greater risks of exposing subjects to neutrons 
another difference was that dr paulson used a standard general electric x-ray machine which he says he believed would deliver as precise and well targeted a dose of radiation as dr heller's specially designed machine still another difference was that at a certain stage of the washington study dr paulson used the prison bulletin board to advertise for volunteers under the headline subject additional volunteers for radiation research project a notice said in part the project concerns effects of radiation on human testicular function and the results of the project will be utilized in the safety of personnel working around atomic steam plants etc it is possible that those men receiving the higher dosages may be temporarily or even permanently sterilized it should be understood that when sterilized in this manner a man still has the same desires and can still perform as he always has submit to surgical biopsy this is a simple procedure performed under local anesthesia it is not a very painful procedure according to a march ninth nineteen seventy six report prepared for then governor daniel j evans by harold b bradley director of the state's adult corrections division neither dr paulson's nineteen sixty three outline of his research project nor the november nineteen sixty four announcement to inmates mentioned a requirement to undergo a vasectomy at the end of the experiment to ensure that subjects would not father genetically damaged children dr paulson said he did not recall precisely when in the recruitment process the vasectomy requirement was conveyed to subjects but he pointed out that once it was they had the option of dropping out of the project without penalty dr paulson's review process and consent procedures are less well documented than dr heller's but he says his research application including provisions for subject selection and consent was approved by what he described as a human experimentation committee at the university of washington he said the process was very informal noting that it was done over the phone paulson added that somewhat later his work was also reviewed by a radiation safety committee his recollection of both processes is vague the minutes of a december tenth nineteen sixty nine meeting of a university of washington research and clinical investigations committee at the u s public health services hospital in seattle includes a recommendation that dr paulson's consent form be modified to indicate that a risk of carcinoma of the testes exists although it is extremely small according to mr bradley's report his department's records show that dr paulson's project was reviewed and approved on two occasions march nineteen sixty three and june nineteen sixty six by the university hospital clinical investigation committee the report shows no state department of institutions review until mid nineteen sixty nine the bradley report and related correspondence from nineteen seventy show that at that time some state officials had a sharp concern for research ethics in mid nineteen sixty nine a review of all experimentation in the prison system was undertaken by dr audrey r holliday chief of research for the department of institutions at this time dr holliday took steps to temporarily halt the irradiation phase of the project after investigating the origins of dr paulson's research dr holliday asked the university of washington to conduct a new review of the study emphasizing her concern about the state's responsibility to safeguard human rights the university stood by its initial findings allowing the research to continue 
although at about the same time it turned down dr paulson's request to move into the neutron irradiation phase of his project dr holliday then debated the issue with dr william conte director of the department of institutions who was disposed to allow the project to continue on march eighteenth nineteen seventy she wrote a letter to dr conte noting there is no question but what the federal government has made considerable investment in this project the federal government however as a reading of any newspaper will show has supported a number of projects over which there have been many moral ethical questions both large and small raised e g nerve gases toxins etc i remind you that the federal government is not responsible for the care safety and safeguarding of human rights of populations under the purview of the department of institutions this is a responsibility we must discharge regardless of the amount of money that the federal government is willing to invest in a project there is no doubt but what the prison setting is an ideal setting for this type of research i suppose concentration camps provided ideal settings for the research conducted in them if in fact non-inmates were to volunteer in the substantial number of persons dr paulson needs then i would have less qualms about offering up a captive population for this research i e i would have some evidence assuming the volunteers were in fact normal that non-captive populations might make the same decision as a captive population i am not against high-risk research i have engaged in some myself i am not against federally sponsored research i have engaged in some myself however the risk should be commensurate with the probable benefits to be received by the populations or others like it to follow i don't think we can argue that in this case neither am i opposed to the use of a prison population on a volunteer basis for research projects that may not be of direct benefit to the population but which are of clear benefit to society or mankind i don't think we can argue that in this case either dr holliday also argued that the study should have been done on lower order primates and that if the state allowed dr paulson's study to continue it would forfeit its right to speak out on behalf of human rights relating to future research proposals while favoring continuation of dr paulson's research dr conte authorized a review by the department of institutions human rights review committee the committee recommended that the study be shut down noting that the paulson project seems clearly inconsistent with the standards laid down by the nuremberg code for the protection of human subjects with respect to freedom of choice and consent the recommendation went on to say that within the context of dr paulson's project it is largely irrelevant whether or not a volunteer declares his desire to undergo vasectomy since there is no assurance that his real reasons would be ethically morally acceptable or that his reasons whatever they may be will stand the test of reality after release it specified that the money paid for participation and the expectation of privileges real or imagined could constitute undue inducements this review according to the report recommended that dr paulson's request for continuation of his study be rejected as it was found to be inconsistent with standards for the protection of the individual as a research subject the essential issue raised by departmental personnel was that of informed consent on march twenty third nineteen seventy dr holliday wrote to dr paulson to inform him that his project was over 
the bradley report added that so far as is known to departmental personnel no ill effects have been reported by subjects of the experiments in nineteen ninety four however a former washington state inmate named martin smith told karen dorn steele of the spokane spokesman review that ever since participating in the experiment he has suffered testicular pain dr paulson notes however that smith was a control and therefore not actually irradiated although he did have one testicular biopsy there has been less debate than in oregon on the subject of medical follow-up this may be in part because dr paulson has taken the position based on his conversations with inmates that the subjects of the washington experiments want their privacy protected and he has refused to disclose their names a December 1975 AEC memorandum from Nell W. Fraser, a government contract administrator, to Oscar J. Bennett, director of the Contracts and Procurement Division, paraphrases Dr. Paulson as saying that a follow-up program was not medically indicated, and a follow-up program would be harmful because most of the prisoners wish to disassociate themselves with the prison experience. According to the memorandum, Dr. Paulson also noted that his medical malpractice insurance would apply in the event that litigation resulted from his radiation study. In recent years, however, a handful of former subjects have told reporters, such as Karen Dorn Steele, that they would like to be followed up. In late 1994, state officials said they would seek federal funds to carry out a follow-up program or ask the Department of Health and Human Services to mount such a program. The advisory committee conducted its own analysis of the risks incurred by the Oregon and Washington testicular irradiation subjects, based on a 600 rem dose, which was the maximum testicular exposure of any subject in either state. For purposes of this analysis, we assume that the testicles have an average radiation sensitivity, that there is a linear relationship between cancer incidence and dose, and that there is a linear relationship between the risk of cancer and the amount of tissue exposed. Using these assumptions, we calculated that it would take more than double the dose received by any prisoner subject to yield an effective dose of one rem. This means that the predicted increase over the expected cancer rate for the individuals who received the greatest exposure would be less than four hundredths of one percent. For those who received smaller doses of radiation, the risk would, of course, be smaller, too. Other Radiation Experiments There is no comprehensive list of radiation experiments with prisoners as subjects, but in the course of the Advisory Committee's historical research, a handful of such experiments, other than those in Oregon and Washington, has been identified. In many cases, there is only fragmentary information available, which the committee has not always been able to verify. To provide a sense of what else might have been going on at the time, which may or may not have been representative, consider the following. A former prison administrator in Utah has confirmed that experiments were conducted on prisoner subjects in the late 1950s or early 1960s in which blood appears to have been removed, irradiated, and returned to the body prisoners at the time who were interviewed by the deseret news a salt lake city newspaper said they believed that about ten prisoner volunteers were studied in this way one subject said they told us nothing about the tests they just said it wouldn't bother us 
in a nineteen fifty nine confidential report to the president of the university of utah lowell a woodbury the radiological safety officer said one group of medical experimenters with authorization for human experimentation was administering isotopes to volunteers at the state prison this was in direct violation of the terms of their license and while not an extremely serious violation was apt to result in a citation from the atomic energy commission experiments were conducted at the medical college of virginia in the early nineteen fifties under the sponsorship of the army and possibly the public health service using radioactive tracers the goal was to study the life cycle of red blood cells as discussed in more detail in chapter thirteen dr everett i evans in a letter to the superintendent of the state penitentiary quoted from a letter from colonel john r wood of the army surgeon general's office which provided that no information related to research being conducted for the army surgeon general be released without review by the public information office of the defense department dr evans said the reason for this was that the problem of the use of prisoner volunteers is not yet clarified during the nineteen sixties prison volunteers in the colorado state penitentiary were used as subjects in an experiment designed to determine the survival time and characteristics of red blood cells during periods of rapid red cell formation and during periods of severe iron deficiency red cells transfused into normal recipients were tagged with either radioactive iron or radioactive phosphorus in a nineteen seventy six report on the study which used five subjects the investigators wrote the rights of the prisoners were respected in conformance with the helsinki declaration of the world health organization and the nuremberg code approval was obtained from the governor attorney-general and director of institutions of the state of colorado the warden and psychiatrist of the colorado state penitentiary and the nearest of kin of each volunteer it is not clear from this publication or other documents available to the committee precisely what use was made of the principles stated in the nuremberg code and the declaration of helsinki in obtaining the consent of the prisoner subjects in this experiment however if the investigators did accept nuremberg and helsinki as standards for consent in the nineteen sixties it adds weight to other evidence for example the citation of nuremberg by the human rights review committee for the department of institutions in the washington testicular irradiation experiment that these standards were considered relevant to research on prisoners in the nineteen sixties other federally sponsored experiments on prisoner volunteers appear to have been conducted in pennsylvania holmesburg state prison the effects of radiation on human skin oklahoma oklahoma state penitentiary routine metabolic studies of experimental drugs using tracer amounts of radionuclides illinois statesville prison measurements of radium burden received from drinking water and california san quentin tracking movement of iron from plasma to red blood cells using a radioactive marker End of section 47.